Aloha, I'm Chad Ford, and you're listening to Chad Ford's NBA Big Board on the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm with Mark Stein, and we're going to be talking power rankings. Let's go. I'm Chad Ford with Chad Ford's NBA Big Board. I'm with Mark Stein author of a new newsletter, markstein.substack.com. Mark, it's always a pleasure to have you back. My first guest, actually, on the NBA Big Board podcast now, like almost two years ago. So uh, this this podcast has been rolling for a while. How's it going, Mark? All good, man. Just continually impressed by the graphics and video accoutrements that you get to unveil on me. Every time I come on, you got you got something new. So whoever's hook, whoever's doing that for you, they're hooking you up. Well, you guessed correctly that it wasn't me. I uh, gotta love the the folks at the Locked On uh, Network for increasingly uh, making this look cooler uh, as well. Mark, you've got a new newsletter, markstein.substack.com. I'm also on Substack at nbabigboard.com. How's the newsletter business going? It's great, man. It's been uh, it's been a lot of fun, and uh, you know, one thing that people have been asking, are we going to see rankings? Are we going to see rankings? You're going to bring back the committee of one. So, you know, a big thing when you're doing a newsletter, you know, this is a community, listen to the people. And uh, so last week I did, uh, and it's funny because this is really inside baseball stuff that people won't know, but both you and I are edited by our former longtime ESPN colleague, Royce Webb who worked with both of us for years and years and years and is now doing stuff, Substack editing and Royce knows how particular and really flat, you know, in re reality, how stubborn I am. So he said, look, I know you like to usually do rankings. You like to wait till closer to training camp. You should do it sooner. So I listened to his wise words, did it right after labor day. And, you know, as you know, and as, as I think NBA fans know, you know, Labor Day is kind of an, it's quietly kind of an important holiday in the league because as soon as Labor Day passes, that's really the week that players start rolling back into town. Not everyone, but many players start going back to their home markets. Gyms start filling up, you know, team practice facilities start filling up with guys trying to get a jump on training camp. So I, I thought it was a good day to come out with my training camp edition of the rankings. And I'm, I was, I was rusty because over the last few years at the, at the New York times, I only did rankings like once or twice a year. So I got to get back in my, got to get back in my rankings groove, but it was, uh, I think I wrote 3000 something words. So it was, uh, no limits in the newsletter world. <laughs> well, uh, for our listeners, you can go over to markstein.substack.com. Give us your email. Uh, those, those power rankings are free, I believe. They are uh, as as well, and so uh, you can also subscribe to Mark's uh, stuff and his newsletter. Five dollars a month, fifty dollars a year, absolutely worth it. Uh, and uh, I don't do power rankings. I've never did power rankings before, but I used to do something back in the day called Tank Rank, uh, and actually started in the 2014 draft. And that was sort of ranking the teams that were most likely to get the number one pick in the draft. So I would go the opposite direction of Mark. Uh, if you're 30 on Mark's list, that's good news. Uh, in my in my power rankings, and uh, we we brought that back race uh, for the lottery pick, partly because I don't actually think any teams are just outright tanking uh, this year. There's definitely rebuilding teams, teams that are rebuilding around their youth, but no one who's like sitting star players. Well, maybe after the news of John Wall sitting for the Rockets. Uh, that came out the other day. Maybe that's not, not totally true as well. And so I, I did 10, 10 teams uh, in reverse order. And so I had to bone up a little bit on the, the other 20 teams in the league, but I think I've got my rankings. We'll compare them now. Uh, we'll start at the top because I actually think you and I have the same team at number one. So go ahead and unveil on the podcast here, Mark, who's your number one ranked team for the 2021-2022 NBA season? Yeah, look, I'm keeping the Bucks on top, and I think that keeps me keeps both of us then in the minority. I mean, if you listen to Vegas, they certainly think we're wrong, and the Nets have already been anointed the betting favorite to win it all. But look, when you know, I've I did the rankings at ESPN for 15 years, so I it kind of evolved, and I I made it's all made up. It's all just my little rules and regulations that are you know I jokingly call myself the committee of one and 
you know, I'm big on tradition and consistency and, you know, but these, these are all just kind of at my whim. And one of my whims that I've always said is the defending champs start on top, no matter what happened. Now, I think there was one year way back in the day where, you know, the Lakers completely overhauled their team. Certainly Dallas, after they won their title in 2011, 2011 did not bring everyone back. So sometimes it doesn't work exactly. But to me, the Bucks deserve to be there. They broke through. We hammered this team for multiple years about not being able to get it done. Giannis can't win it all. You know, wh whether it was the Nets injuries, Durant's shoe being too big, whatever you want to say, they did get it done. They won it all. They answered their critics. And for me, they deserve to start the season at number one. We'll see how long they stay there, but they deserve that respect. Look, I have I have no rules because I don't do power <laughs> rankings. It's complete whim on my part, and you'll see from some of my rankings that dramatically depart from yours. I'm just spitballing uh, here uh, in part because of maybe some of my biases that I have. But look, I, I'm kind of with you on the exact same reason for the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, they did it. They got to the end. You can say what you want about the Nets, but you know injury uh, issues are always something that you're going to have to look on an older team. Same with the Lakers and some of these other teams uh, that are going to be competing. I mean, certainly that can happen to Milwaukee, but this is a bit a younger team uh, that seems like they might be able to be more durable. And, and Giannis is just, in, in my opinion, just uh, what he did in the finals, I think, took his game to another level. And I think that that confidence that he and Chris Middleton can have, Drew Holiday can have now coming back. I also think that that plays a factor as well. I know for some teams, winning a title can loom large over you psychologically. But I think in the case of Milwaukee, I think it's going to give them, I think that that, that psychological thing was already looming over this team uh, because yeah, think, of uh, uh, past mistakes. And now I think they can be, play a little freer. A lot of people are curious to see what winning a title will do for their psyche. I mean, they are going to, I totally agree with you. They will come in to this season with much more confidence and a huge burden lifted. And and look, I think we've even seen with Drew Holiday, just his, you know, the way he played in the finals, the impact he ended up having, and then he carried it on to the, to the Olympic stage. I don't think we can call Drew Holiday the most underrated player in the league anymore. I think he opened a lot of eyes to just what a difference maker he is. So let's talk about their main competition in the East, which I think we all agree is the Brooklyn Nets. Where do you have them on your power rankings? I have them three. I have them two. And, you know, again, if you pay attention to what's going on in Vegas, the guys who have to do this for living and for a living and have money riding on, it, I mean, the Nets are the overwhelming favorite. And, and let's face it, the Nets had a great off season. I mean, we, you have to believe that Durant, Harden, and Irving are going to be healthier than they were. They're going to play more than 13 games together this coming season. And they've made some very nice little, mod, you know, modest money-wise, but nice upgrades. Patty Mills should help them. They were able to keep Blake Griffin. They've got Bruce Brown back on, on a favorable deal. They LaMarcus Aldrich is back now. I mean, they, they look much deeper than they were. And, you know, they, they, you know, that was kind of the fear when they made the Harden trade. Have, have they sacrificed all their depth? But I mean, the Nets are in everybody's heads. Everybody knows that they're a team that you're that that you're probably going to have to go through to win this thing. Let's talk about. Yeah, I, I have them. I have them three. I, and yeah, so who, we're also, who's your two? We're, who's your two then? Who's your well, number this two? Is, this can be a surprise. Um, I also just want to say, look, you know, Kevin Durant was at half an inch. Uh, uh, away from a two being a three-pointer and this being a very different conversation perhaps about uh, about the Nets as well. And so, you know, some of this is just measured by centimeters or, or inches, uh, right, between some of these teams. I have the Utah Jazz at two, uh, who had the best record in the NBA uh, last season and a team that I don't think lost anybody and frankly, I think would be the NBA champions if Mike Conley and Donovan Mitchell um, had been healthy. I think they would have beat the Suns in the Western Conference Finals, and I liked the Jazz matchup versus the Bucks uh, better than I liked the Suns versus the, the Bucks. And so, part of it is looking back and saying, you know, a hobbled Mike Conley and a and a and a very hobbled Donovan Mitchell uh, obviously ended this playoff run. And I don't think it was because the Jazz performed poorly in the playoffs. I, I think injuries to their backcourt, which was so critical to their success. Uh, ruined their chances this year. So I think they come back and 
And if, if you just look at this roster to me and if they stay healthy, I don't see any reason why they can't repeat as the best record uh, in the Western Conference and uh, give the Bucks a run for their money or the, or the Nets in the, in the finals. You have them considerably lower than that. Yeah, so look, we might we might as well just get it out now because this is probably the shocker in my top 10. But I, I put the Jazz at seven, and, and I'll explain why. I think you're probably a touch too high on them, but I think a misconception about my rankings, and I've always done it this way, I always explain it within the rankings, and people just read over the explanation. When I do the first batch of rankings to start the year, your your summer, your offseason, and, and, and the playoffs as well – it factors into it. And so the Jazz were knocked back by what happened, by by losing early. I was a huge Jazz guy throughout last season. I think I was one of the loudest advocates saying they should have all three of those guys in the All-Star game, Mitchell, Gobert, and Conley. And they they eventually did when, when Conley, Conley was brought in as an injury replacement. But the playoff loss was a huge setback, injuries or not. And they weren't able to in- improve the team in any huge way. They they did keep Conley, and they, they I mean they they have made some moves around the edges. You know we'll see if if like bringing in Rudy Gay is you know how much of a boost that really is. But me putting them at seven was more a reflection of they are now in the exact same position Milwaukee was at the start of last season. Nobody wants to hear about their regular season achievements. How you know what kind of record they post how many all-stars they have, all the individual honors that these guys are winning. Go bear 17-time defensive player of the year. Jordan Clarkson now reigning six. Nobody wants to hear any of that anymore. The Jazz know they will be judged on the playoffs. So I dropped them to seven. Again, not based on how good of a team they are, but just kind of this difficult position they're in as a franchise now. And frankly, how much pressure is on a lot of these guys? You know, they've all... You know, Conley got his new deal this past summer. Mitchell and Gobert have the big contract extensions. There's a new owner, front office overhaul. I mean, there's just a lot going on in Utah. They've got to step up now and live up to this promise. The, you know, they are, they're really facing some, some significant pressure from my seat. Well, that, that, is, that is definitely one thing that I probably should have taken more into account. One thing for sure is that this there's a front office overhaul here that on a traditionally extremely stable franchise, as far as front offices go, relationship with coach and owner has been really thrown into chaos. You know, just my sources in Utah say that just everything is up in the air right now. There's a lot of confusion about what's happening, what's going forward. Dwayne Wade's role uh, now with the team as well is ownership going to bring in uh, Danny Ainge. I mean, there, there's so many question marks right now that 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 absolutely could affect the psyche of the team, and certainly Quinn Snyder, um, who uh, is now also probably wondering what what his future is going to look like in Utah if the Jazz don't get there. So yeah, there's some real pressure there. Uh, I just I just think if you look at that starting five, you can't knock a team that loses really their their starting point guard and uh their their main scoring star is hobbled the way that Donovan Mitchell's Mitchell's hobbled and they still were slugging it out with the Clippers uh in in the playoffs. Let's go to who's who your number three team is then uh since uh I've I've said mine is the Nets. Uh who's number three on your board? I had the Lakers third because even though I consider myself a pretty big skeptic of how this Westbrook experiment is going to play out. I mean, in the regular season, Westbrook's going to help the Lakers. In the playoffs, how it functions, I got serious questions about it. But look, if LeBron and AD are healthy and AD's only 28, he should bounce back well. These guys, to me, are the favorites in the West. And, you know, dropping the Jazz to number seven is probably too harsh. Again, I did it more for for the off-court reasons and the on-court reasons. The Jazz are better than the seventh-best team in the league. But I do think the Lakers, if healthy, and even with the Westbrook questions, that they are the West favorite ahead of Phoenix and ahead of Utah. So I have the Lakers third. And uh, I have a man. Oh, good. So (laughs) Laker fans will love you. You you should tweet that. I'll take take away some of my critics and shift them onto you. Man, I, I... I'm skeptical, uh, and, and part of it's the age of this roster, uh, the depth. I think you know took another hit. I mean, I liked some of what they did this summer, trying to surround this team with shooters uh, after you know bringing in Westbrook, and and certainly Westbrook's second half of the season for the Wizards 
was was old Westbrook. Like, I mean, he really, uh, after a really, really tough start to the season in Washington, I mean, he really came on. And so maybe this all fits together. But I worry about, again, the age of this roster. I worry about, you know, at some point, you know, LeBron and injuries is going to start. It's just going to start happening just because of the wear and tear that's been it's on already him. started. I mean, yeah, that's already- basic. Two out of his two out of his first three years in L.A. derailed by injury. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, Westbrook and again, the way he plays and how hard that goes against his his body as well. I certainly think Anthony Davis is in his prime. And so I, I'm not banking on that the same way. I think some people are skeptical about Anthony Davis. But I, I just you know, they took a huge, huge gamble here. Uh, with some aging players. And uh, I, I'm just a little bit more skeptical that, and, and even if, if we're, I don't know if power rankings, if uh, is your idea that this is, this is where they're going to end up at the end of the year of the playoffs, because I think regular no, it, season, you're also going to see a lot of rest probably for LeBron and, and Westbrook at times, which probably means they don't finish with the best record in the Western conference. Mike no. Is. And when, when I do my rankings, I do try to stress that, that again, I'm factoring in what happened in the playoffs, what happened in the off season, because, you know, power rankings, the way they were designed and at least explained to me when I kind of started doing it, it's, you know, it's a pulse take. So I, you know, again, at my whim, there's no exact science to it, but you're factoring in these, you know, the most recent events and and how they affected the franchise. But look, I, I think, I mean, there's certainly a lot of questions about the Lakers. And last season, I was a huge Westbrook fan. I thought Westbrook didn't get enough appreciation for that second half he assembled that you mentioned and you know, breaking Oscar Robertson's triple-double record, which I don't think triple-doubles are meaningless. I think it's amazing. And just look at the look at the record of Westbrook's teams when he gets a triple-double. It's basically 750 winning percentage, which anybody would, would take. So it's not like he's costing his team in this chase for triple-doubles. But as a Laker, with the lack of shooting they already have, the age that you mentioned, I mean – it can be spectacular or it could implode spectacularly. And Frank Vogel has about as tough a job as any coach. I mean, he has now added, you know, he has a new coaching staff basically. And now he's also got to coach Russ. He's got to coach Carmelo Anthony. Rondo's back. Dwight Howard is back. I mean, it's, there's a lot going on there. All right. I'm I'm going to, I'm going to read the rest of Mark's top 10 here before we go to break. He's got the Suns at four, the Miami Heat at five, Atlanta Hawks at six, Jazz at seven, Nuggets at eight, Clippers at nine, 76ers at 10. To me, the surprise out of that group is having Miami Heat at five. Uh, that, that seemed a little aggressive to me. And so uh, let's talk about the Miami Heat as a top five team in the NBA. What was your thinking around there? I mean, they add Kyle Lowry. Is that is that primarily where you're it's going more, with this? It's more, yes, it's more a reflection of they were kind of the, I liked their offseason. I thought they were very aggressive. You know, we've seen this from Miami time and time again. You, you don't, you know, they don't have tons of flexibility and yet they're able to make a lot of moves. And so, you know, Kyle Lowry, like it or not, whether you're a fan or not, I mean, he was the darling of this free agency in terms of a player, who a former all-star who would actually switch teams. Miami beat out a long list of teams that wanted Lowry. They were able to keep Oladipo for nothing. They were able to bring in Markeith Morris. They, I mean, they just, they found a way to make, uh, make us make a slew of moves that I think does make their team better. But look, you know, are they going to finish as as a top five team in this league? Are they? I, I think they have an excellent chance to finish third in the East. I think they have the potential to be the third best team in the East. But there, to me, you draw a line under the Bucks and the Nets, and and even with all of the moves Miami made, they're not there yet. But I put them at five as much because they they had high they had a, they had an ambitious list of targets for the offseason, and they hit them. All right, Miami Heat don't make my top ten. Uh, here's my four through ten: Atlanta Hawks, Phoenix Suns at five, Golden State Warriors at six. I think there's a pretty significant shift there. Boston Celtics at seven, also I think a big difference there. Lakers at eight, Nuggets at ninth, and Seventy Sixers at ten. So now you get to ask me a hard question, Mark, about my four through ten. Uh, yeah, Hawks I mean, you, at four, Suns at five, Warriors at six. Well, I'm thanking you for Hawks at four because I got grief for putting Hawks at six. Um, mm. I, you know, I thought the Hawks. You know, I kind of believe in their breakthrough. I think they have a chance again to be a factor in the Eastern Conference 
playoffs. I don't know that they can go to the finals again, but you know they re-signed all their main guys. You know Boston at seven. That is uh, you are you have always been much more of a dice roller than me, so I'm not really surprised that you're doing some wild stuff. But Boston at seven. Um, I don't think Bill Simmons would have Boston at seven. Now, but it's funny that we both have the Sixers at ten, and again, that's one where you know the Sixers were number one in the East last season, talent wise. They're better than than number ten in the NBA, but I I put them at ten again because they're in turmoil right now. I mean, Ben Simmons doesn't want to go to camp. They don't have a trade for Simmons, and they're they're starting the season with a cloud and tension and awkwardness. So that's why I dropped them to ten. I mean, they're they're kind of a mess right now, and you know we're gonna have to see how this thing plays out. The teams that are registering interest in Ben Simmons are not teams that the Sixers want to engage with. And so, you know, they're going to have a very, you know, it's going to be here soon. You know, we're less than two weeks away from players showing up for media day. I think media day is September 27th camps open September 28th. Is Ben Simmons going to be there? Do the Sixers want him there? I, I can't see a Ben trade materializing here in the next 10, 12 days. So they, they, they've got immediate tension to confront in Philly. Yeah. yeah I, I put Philly there as a, I have no idea what's going to happen with this team because of the Ben Simmons thing. And actually, sort of weirdly, because I'm probably higher on Ben Simmons than most people, I actually think that I'll probably end up knocking the 76ers down a notch or two if they trade Simmons, unless they're, unless they're getting back a Bradley Beal or a Damian Lillard, which I don't think that they're probably getting back. Uh, in part because I think as m- many problems as Simmons brings, he also does some unique things that make the 76ers an, a, a, a nightmare matchup for other teams as well. And so I, I, I think we've gotten too sour on Ben Simmons uh, as well. And I remember this Ben Simmons, Joe, Joel Embiid team uh, was the number one ranked team in the East last year. I think there is something unique there. I, I agree the 76ers probably do have to trade Ben Simmons at this point, but I actually think there's going to be something lost there, and 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 Philly fans are underappreciating what, what Ben Simmons brings to the table, and I'm not sure what they're going to be able to get back in return is actually going to be better, uh, other than maybe for some chemistry reasons uh, for the 76ers. Let me just argue on the Celtics for just a second that I think that they were one of the teams that were really affected by COVID. I think Jason Tatum uh, and Jalen Brown uh, injuries, you know, Tatum, you know, I I think struggling a bit coming back post COVID uh, for this team. I I think that they're such a talented young core, those two that they underperformed last year. I think both of those players are still getting better. And I think, you know, adding, you know, Al Horford, Dennis Schroeder, uh, Josh Richardson, Cantor, whatever around them, I think they've built a, a more balanced team. And I, I think this team's going to bounce back. Uh, I, I absolutely do. And, and you know, same with Golden State Warriors. I, I know Clay Thompson. We won't know for sure when exactly he's going to be back and how he's going to look. Uh, but I think when they get back, I think this team is going to roll, and uh, that they're going to look better than uh, some of the other teams that that we have ranked higher right now. All right, look, that's one through ten. Uh, we're going to go back through eleven through twenty in our next segment. Before I do so, I want to talk about Direct TV Stream. Does this sound familiar? You've got one device. Let you catch your game live. Another lets you stream your favorite shows. You're watching sports highlights on your phone. And you got your neighbor's best friend. Log in for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all the entertainment you love without the hassle. A great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream. It brings together your live TV uh, and on-demand favorites together. Like never before, you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes. No need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there's no annual contract. Get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. I'm actually a subscriber to DirecTV Stream. It's a great service and you can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible devices required. Content varies by package. Also, a podcast wouldn't be a podcast, the NBA Big Board podcast, without talking about Built Bar and their delicious flavors. There's something for everyone. When you talk to Built Bar fan, they're definitely passionate about their faves. If you don't know the Built Bar flavors, well, you're missing out. Coconut, Cherry Barcia. Raspberry, mint brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel, strawberry, orange, cookies and cream, German chocolate. My favorite is coconut. Tastes like a Mounds bar. These are absolutely d- delicious. They're gooey. They're not. They're not uh, chalky at all. They're not dry. Not only do they taste great, they, they taste like a candy bar, but they're actually really good for you. The 17, 18 grams of protein, calories ranging from 130 to 180 calories, only four to five grams of sugar, only four to five grams of net carbs. Order today and get that grasshopper cookie or raspberry or whatever you like. 
Built Bar is also the official protein bar of the U.S. track and field team. That's actually cool. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCK15 and you'll get 15% off your first order. Use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. All right, I'm back with Mark Stein, author of a new newsletter, markstein.substack.com. Just released his uh, training camp edition of the Power Rankings last week. Uh, I just released my uh, race uh, to the lottery, the teams that I think are going to be the worst teams in the NBA, but also have the best chance of winning the 2022 NBA draft lottery right now. Mark and I have gone through our top 10. We have several disagreements uh, in our top 10. So I'm going to start at 11 for you, Mark. And who do you have as your 11th ranked uh, team for the 2021-22 season? I better look it up since I can't do it by memory. It, man, it, getting old is terrible. Man, it, it's the New York Knicks. I'll give it, I'll give it away for my, you. My, uh, my memory used to be one of my strengths. It's such a, it's a disaster. Yeah. So I had the Knicks at 11. Um, I thought they had a quietly very solid offseason to be able to get Kemba Walker on the bargain deal they did. Uh, maybe some people are going to quibble with how quibble with how much they spent on Fournier, but this is a team that needed to upgrade its backcourt significantly. I think Fournier and Kemba Walker will do that. They brought Derrick Rose back. I don't think they're going to finish fourth in the East again, but I still see the Knicks as a solid playoff team. And, you know, it's also a reflection of the fact that to me, I'm much more interested this season in the Eastern Conference than the Western Conference. You and I worked together for a long time. I think we started, I think we officially became teammates in the fall of 2002. I mean, from through all the years that we worked together, the West has always been better. I mean, you've got to go back to Jordan's second retirement in, for, in, in Chicago in 98 for the last time that people really regarded the East as superior. And basically in the 20 odd years since, I think the East has had a better head to head record in the regular season than the West once in all that time. But this season, I feel like the race to, to finish in the top eight in the East is going to be much more intriguing than it will be in the West. And, you know, I, I just think the Knicks with the season they assembled last season, as, as disappointing as the playoffs were to go out in the fashion they did against Atlanta. I just think, the Knicks did make progress this offseason with the, the moves they made. And you know, they've still got flexibility to do significant things in the future. So the Knicks, to me, had them ahead of the likes of uh, the Warriors, who you have in the top 10, and, and the Mavericks, two of the two of the stronger teams in the West top eight. Yeah, I didn't quite have them there. I had them at 15, but I'll also argue that I think there's a pretty big scrum. I, I agree with you. I think the Eastern Conference is better. Than it's than it's been historically, and yeah, like you said, maybe ever since you and I both started working at, at ESPN. Uh, obviously, we know the West continues to be deep, especially really like man, the, the West might be like thirteen teams deep, uh, which is which is uh, pr pretty crazy as well. Yeah, I was and gonna so, say, I was gonna say, did you have ten teams in in your uh, bottom to top rankings? Because there really aren't there aren't ten bad teams this coming season. I don't kind of like kind of like five actually. Yeah. Uh, is is really kind of where it's at, and then all the rest of those teams are actually playing to win. But obviously, not all of them can even get into the play in tournament. Uh, I I do think that we're going to probably see, in my opinion, you know, something like starting with like six through fifteen in these power rankings. They're only me maybe one, two, three game differences uh, between the between these teams. I think a lot like last year where a lot of teams were really bunched up together. I sort of see this as well. So I certainly see the Knicks in that mix. Uh, I have them just a little bit lower at 15. I have the Miami Heat uh, at 11, which you had at five. But again, I'm not sure that I'm seeing after those after those top five teams for me, which are the Bucks, the Jazz, the Nets, the Hawks, I, who I'm, I am also a big believer in that I, I think this was real and they're a crazy deep team, and the Phoenix Suns, I think that you're going to start to see you know teams hit a little tighter together there. I want to talk about uh, you know a, a team 
I'm going to give you my 12th team, which is also maybe Chad being a little bit crazy, a team that I have above the Clippers and I have above the Mavs right now, and I have above the Portland Trailblazers, which is the Memphis Grizzlies. I think the Grizzlies, after what they did in the play-in tournament, um, the improvement of John Morant, um, getting getting back uh, what we hopefully will see is finally a Jaron Jackson Jr. that's healthy and a a really strong supporting cast. I'm a believer that the Grizzlies are going to be uh, you know, not a not a championship contender or a Western Conference uh, Finals contender, but I, I see them re- really, really being a solid playoff team this year, and I think absolutely competitive uh, with the likes of the Clippers uh, and and the Mavs and the and the Blazers uh, in the Western Conference. You've got them sixteen. Am I am I crazy on Memphis right now? No, no, because I, look, I think we have to acknowledge that we approach this a little bit differently. I, from what I, what I'm, the vibe I'm getting from is you really made your one to thirty order based on where you think these teams are going to finish in the standings, and and I definitely did not. I don't do it that way. You know, during the regular season when you, when you're doing power rankings every week, there's results of games that you can use to kind of help inform where you place the teams, and so I'm using how they fared in the summer, what we last, you know, how how positive or negative their playoff experience was, you know, I'm factoring those things into, to, to my rankings, which is why, you know, Portland, which I'm sure we'll get to, you know, I have Portland 18th. It doesn't mean I think Portland's the 18th best team in the league, but I think with all the uncertainty and tension that's there, they have to be lowered in a pulse take power ranking situation. But I'm with you on Memphis. I think they will be picked to finish lower. They will exceed wherever they are picked. Taylor Jenkins will coach this team up. Really, that question mark that you mentioned, though, is Jaron Jackson Jr., you know, can he stay healthy now and can he get closer to John Morant's level and can he stay there? I mean, that's really the, – the Grizzlies have made a number of very good moves. They've been very opportunistic, picking up useful players, picking up extra draft picks, using their cap space. I think most of their moves by Zach Kleiman have been well-received around the league, but, you know, they need – they need a they need Jaron Jackson to realize his potential. And you know, John Morant, home run, franchise saving, number two overall pick, but he's got to have at least one guy closer to his level. And, and they project it to be Jaron Jackson Jr. This is not a franchise that historically attracts free agents. So to me, their season really rides on on what JJJ gets done. Let's talk about a few teams that seemed in the offseason to have some pressure to improve uh, because they had a star player that we could look down the road and say, they're going to be unhappy with this. One is right in their face, Portland, uh, right with Damian Lillard, making it clear uh, that he wants the Blazers to improve. And and maybe the Blazers like slightly improved around the margins, but there wasn't a major improvement there. Dallas, we can't have a Mark Stein podcast without talking about Dallas. Uh, Obviously they get to sign Luka Doncic, but it doesn't look like the Mavericks made a significant uh, shift in this roster, uh, a, a dramatic improvement. And then a team that I think actually kind of falls, falls out of your top 10 and bear or, or middle, middle 10, uh, barely makes mine. The new Orleans Pelicans where we heard all summer, David Griffin's going to make all these big moves, uh, because he needs to show Zion Zion, uh, you know, that this team can be a contender. And I'm not even sure that new Orleans is new Orleans might actually be worse. Um, that, you know, of those three teams, I mean, Portland obviously has the most pressure because Damian Lillard is, you know, could, could ask for a trade at any moment. And, and I think right now, I'm not sure they're a playoff team. And if, if they are, they're a bubble playoff team. Where do you see that the biggest dissonance between expectations of where this team needs to go and the reality of sort of what happened this summer? Well, look, Portland now is under, you know, the clock is ticking. And, uh, you know, Damian Lillard of late, he got married. He went to the Olympics. He's put out another album. So, you know, he's been focused on other things. And, you know, his contentment has kind of been pushed to the side for the moment. But as soon as this team gets together and the media is dealing with them every day, this is going to be a daily topic. People are going to be trying to take his temperature on a daily basis. And if things start bad with a first-year coach, in Chauncey Billups, it could get uh, you know very uncomfortable. 
in Portland. I, I'm a huge Larry Nance fan, and when you talk to people around the league, they will tell you what a highly rated and versatile defensive player he is. So he does have the chance to help Portland more than it appears because that, that really didn't wasn't classified as a blockbuster. But I, I do think that was a very good move after a summer of absolutely nothing until they made the Nance move. So, so, so to me, all eyes are kind of on Portland. Dallas has bought itself sometime. It, you know, Luka Doncic just signed a five-year contract extension that's worth more than two hundred million. So that clock will start ticking far sooner than five years. But in the short term, uh, you know, the Mavs have a whole new front office and a whole new coaching staff with Jason Kidd coming in. So um, I think there will be at least some sort of honeymoon. I don't know exactly how long as all these new key figures get used to each other, but you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, Dallas had big ambitions in free agency. They wanted to get Kyle Lowry. They thought Lowry would be an ideal fit next to Luca, given his defense leadership, being an old head, the way he can still shoot it. Lowry, they thought was ideal. Lowry went to Miami, forced his way there in a sign and trade. And, you know, Dallas's moves have also been, you know, just of the around the edges variety, bringing in Reggie Bullock. I reported uh, this week that they're close to signing Frank Nilakina. That should happen. Um, but the Mavs have not been able to make the splashy move. And really, their splashy move is going to have to be, can they get Kristaps Porzingis back to the level he was playing at in the Walt Disney World bubble before he, he sustained the second major knee injury of his career? And then New Orleans, you know, I'm with you. I mean, they they had an absolutely baffling summer and and the idea that Zion now entering year three and it would be a surprise if the Pelicans made the playoffs I mean to think that Zion's going to go three years likely without tasting the playoffs um, I don't know that they're you know outside of Portland and Philly that I don't think there's a front office in this league you know under the microscope like the Pelicans front office all right let's recap Mark's uh uh, 11 through 20, he's got the Knicks at 11, the Warriors at 12, Mavericks at 13, Celtics at 14, Chicago Bulls at 15. We should probably talk about that. Grizzlies at 16, Indiana Pacers at 17, Blazers at 18, Charlotte Hornets at 19, Raptors at 20. I did not, uh, I, I think the, the Bulls are one of the teams that I have a hard time with. Uh, I ended up having them at 20. You have them at 15. Uh Talk to me about this this Bulls team. I, I'm I'm skeptical that they're going to mesh all this stuff together. I love the Lonzo Ball signing. That probably was where uh, I like them the best. But I I, I absolutely I, I had the Pacers ahead of them uh, and and the Hornets ahead of them uh, as teams in the East that I think you had below below the Chicago Bulls. If for those who have actually read my rankings, I am openly in the piece poking fun at myself for my inconsistencies. Um, I give the bull, like I'm, I have as many fit questions about the bulls as you, as I have about the Lakers. But to me, I gave the bulls bonus points. For, I mean, in all our years together, how many times do we chase bulls trade chatter that went nowhere? I mean, this team has for years and years and years been known for inaction, indecisiveness, and this summer they went all in, and we can certainly question, did they go all in on the right guys? Howard DeRozan and Levine going to play well together? I mean, I think Caruso was a good addition. Like you said, Lonzo Ball, he's a point guard, but not a high usage guy. So you would think he and Levine can mesh. But how does DeRozan work there? They've spent all the, you know, they made the Vucevic trade in March. They've spent all this money. They're locked into these guys. But my kind of Again, being a committee of one, I can do irrational things that I don't really have to defend, and and this is kind of one of them. I put the Bulls at 15 purely because I thought it was great that they finally started doing doing some aggressive stuff. Now, if it if if the fit issues manifest themselves, we got plenty of time to second guess them and drop them into the 20s and and uh, you know, put them under the microscope. But I guess I got I got swept up in the moment. Well, I, I really liked your reaction when I said the Bulls were at 20. I think you like almost like spit out water uh, there for a minute. Uh, uh, look, I, I think that that's a very reasonable take on the Bulls that 
they were very aggressive, uh, really since the trade deadline at the trade deadline and through the summer, they've been very aggressive remaking this team. I look at it and think that they remade the team into a perennial eight, the 10th seed uh, team and the, and the DeRozan contract to me, I think is also souring so much of this. Like it was one of the most massive overpays, uh, that, that I can think of. And it's amazing. Uh, he, had no mar- he had no market to get anywhere close to that from what he got from the Bulls. So it's truly, it, that is puzzling. No question. And, and look, if you're right, and, uh, and, and if my Bulls optimism is quickly washed away, I mean, it's not going to be easy to make fixes because they've got some contracts that are not going to be easy to move. And that, that's, I think, and, and then some of it's betting that the Zach Levine that we saw last year is going to consistent be, the, be that Zach Levine and he's going to mess with all these people. I mean, I just have so many questions about this Bulls team, but that was the thing. I mean, going all in on De- DeRozan, I get it if you're the Brooklyn Nets and he's the final piece that you think is going to put you over the top for a championship and you overpay because, hey, we're going to be a championship contender. But to do that and lock yourself into a perennial you know, eight to 10th seed or seventh to 10th seed in the Eastern conference. Uh, it, that, that just makes it all the worse uh, for me. And so some of that, I also think is sort of my bias against up against the long-term future of the bulls. And, and maybe, maybe I should say the bulls are going to be better than the Hornets, or maybe they're going to be better than the Pacers uh, next season. But I, I, th- I think they're actually kind of comparable. I think they're sort of bunched together and that's the sort of group that the bulls are going to be hanging out with in the Eastern conference next year, the Pacers and the Hornets of the world. Uh, but I, I certainly, you know, if you want to think about futures, I like Charlotte's future, uh, certainly better than I like Chicago's. Uh, here was my 11 through 20, uh, Miami Heat 11, Grizzlies at 12, Clippers at 13, Dallas at 14, Knicks at 15, Pacers at 16, Blazers at 17, Hornets at 18, Pelicans at 19. I'm a little bit more bullish than you, but that doesn't, don't read too much into that. I'm not that bullish on them. Uh, and, and the Bulls at 20. And, and frankly, Pelicans at 19, just because of what a believer I am in Zion as a force of nature that just single-handedly might be able to, to help this team. I did not like what they did um, this summer. Of these teams that are left that we just sort of talked about here, um, let's just quickly end this section with Charlotte, uh, who I, 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 I'm, I'm intrigued with this, this Charlotte team. Uh, LaMelo Ball obviously being the guy that you think now coming back in his sophomore season with a year under his belt um, could take it to the next level. I actually really like their draft. Uh, as well, uh, James Booknight, I thought was a, was a steal where they got in. They got more athletic uh, on this team, and they did some things, um, you know, uh, to try to you know address that that front court uh, position. And you know, Mason Plumlee uh, might be be somebody who's going to be helpful there. Where do you see Charlotte? Well, they certainly got more watchable on draft night, and I think we're all like you know. It's just become old hat now to say that, you know, they're the league pass darlings. They're such a fun team to watch. And and LaMelo has more passing targets now based on what they did in the draft. But to me, I, I have the, the concerns I have about Charlotte. They just got drubbed in the play in game. And maybe I'm putting too much stock into one game. But you know that was a big deal for them to get to the play in game and and, you know, they had a very nice season. They hung, you know, they lost LaMelo late. Hayward had injuries throughout, but they still hung in there, kept themselves in play and range, and then just got steamrollered by an Indiana team that was in turmoil. So again, was it just a one-night thing? I know the Hornets feel was it was a long season. You know, it was a bad night. A lot of things just went wrong on that one occasion. But um, that was a, that was concerning to me, and I'm eager to see how they bounce back from that. And then the other thing was we, we've been hearing for ages now that they really want to upgrade at center. And so I, were they going to make a trade for miles Turner? Were they going to make a free agent run at Rashawn Holmes? Um, is it Kai Jones that they drafted? Forgive me. I'm, they the, did. you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to no, good. Kai Jones isn't going to help them this year. Kai Jones right. is a so, project. Right. He's, so he's he, interesting, but he's a project. So he, so they brought in Plumley and a young center who needs to be developed. So that's not the splashy moves or the, or the, it's not the bankable upgrade at that position that, we knew. So, uh, you know, 
they're a very they're a very watchable squad. But you know, I I, I just want to see I want to see if they can take another step. All right, he's Mark Stein. When we come back, we'll talk about teams that are going to be fighting for lottery balls. You're listening to Chad Ford's NBA Big Board on the Locked On Podcast Network. And this episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry. You have computers and access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Save time and money when using Rock Auto. Why choose to spend 30, 50, even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership? Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. They have everything you could need, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck, right? Locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com. And I'm back with Mark Stein. He's got a new newsletter, markstein.substack.com. Go over there, give him your email address. A lot of his stuff is free. He's got a Tuesday column every Tuesday that's free. Uh, he also, you can subscribe for $5 a month, $50 a year, and get access to all of the stuff that Mark writes. It's fantastic stuff. Mark Stein is a Hall of Fame legend, uh, and I certainly appreciate all the stuff that he's doing. You can also go over to my Substack at nbabigboard.com uh, and subscribe and get all the latest on the 2022 NBA draft as well as following the rookies and sophomores from the 2021 and 2020 NBA draft. We're doing power rankings. And now we're getting into my world, Mark, uh, which is that I tend to, because I'm a draft guy, and have more interest in many ways in who is going to be in contention for the number one pick uh, in the draft. So we're going to reverse the order here, Mark. And I'm going to ask you the question, based off your power rankings, who do you think is going to be the worst team in the NBA uh, this season? Well, look, I mean, I think Oklahoma City has made it clear that they're still playing the long, long, very long game. So, I mean, if we're looking at teams that, you know, are not trying to make the playoffs, as, as we mentioned before, I think there's really only four or five, you know, even your Minnesotas, your Sacramento, I mean, Sacramento, I mean, I can't believe that 15 straight years out of the playoffs, that's really hard to do in the NBA. You know, Cleveland, I think they're probably trying harder to win than they're not. So, you know, how many teams are really, you know, Houston is 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 certainly starting over and, and going young, as we just saw this week with the news that they, you know, John Wall is basically not going to play. Um, Orlando is another team that development is the focus. And Oklahoma City, certainly with, with how crazy young they are and all the draft picks they have stockpiled for the future. So there's really not that, there's not that many, candidates i guess one question i have for you is are people sorry my uh, tv just came on here accidentally are uh, are people as excited about the 2022 draft as they were about this draft no i don't think so uh, in part because i'm not sure there's that tier one guy that we saw in Cade cunningham and evan mobley uh and certainly jalen green uh, and jalen suggs i i think that the, there's a, a a very strong group of college freshmen uh, Jaden Hardy, uh, who's going to be the this the sort of Jalen Green in the G League um, this year, and Yannick Nosa, uh, who plays for Real Madrid, who is one of the most talented young players playing in Europe that we've really seen since Luka Doncic, and that he's getting significant minutes even as a 17 year old uh, in 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 the best league in Europe. Uh, and that that just doesn't happen every day. It's like Ricky Rubio, Luka Doncic territory about the sort of pr production um, that he's put in a, a, as a seven footer. And, and frankly, you know, interestingly, he's not on anybody's board, even in the NBA, as the number one guy in this draft. I don't think there's a clear number one guy, which also, you know, maybe Chet Holmgren is uh, who's going to play for Gonzaga this year is maybe the guy that uh, a lot of people are putting their most eggs in. I think Nosa may end up being the number one pick in this draft. I, I, I just think that if he if he continues his his progress and does it 
uh, again uh, in 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 Spain. You're talking about a guy uh, who it's going to be very very tough to, for anybody else to put a resume together like that. And I think we've learned now from Doncic that you've got to take very seriously when someone is playing at a high level in Europe uh, what that what that what that means coming to the NBA. I've got the magic slightly below the thunder as uh, my 30th team. And partly the thing that I'm, and I'm curious what you think about this, um, Mark, when Shea was on the floor for the thunder, they were roughly like a 500 team. He was that good. No, you're right. Uh, before, before injuries came and, and, you know, they ended up shutting him down. And after that, you know, the thunder were awful. Yeah, they, they and, were twenty. They were twenty and twenty-seven at one point, and then basically, that was it for the season. So that, was, that was it for the season. And so, you know, is Shea that good? I guess that you know, you look at the rest of their roster, and it's all prospects. It's all people that you know. Let's see what happens. Josh Giddy, they're going to add from from Australia, but at least he had some experience playing in the Australian league last last year. And so maybe his, his game's going to translate a little bit more. You're going to bring back Poku and some other people that at least have a year under their belt. And you look at the rest of the roster and they're clearly the 30th team. But then Shea was so good last year that maybe he messes it up for them again and they end up not... And, and he, I can't think of an equivalent player on the Magic right now. Like I really like... Uh, you know, Jalen Suggs, I think he's going to be really good. Jonathan Isaac, when he comes back and is healthy, certainly is a, is a talented player. But I, I just can't think of anyone on the Magic that could tip the scales the way Shea is. Like, he's, to me, one of the most underrated player, young players in the NBA. No question. And look, he can only mess it up so much because, you know, it, it, I don't see a scenario where the Thunder are going to fall as far as sixth in the draft like they just did this last time. But um, that they don't finish with the absolute worst record in the league. I mean, you you make a great point. I mean, Shea Gildas Alexander has a ton of admirers in this league, and they just gave him a max extension. Um, he's been out for a long, long time, getting healthy. You know, Canada had big hopes that he would play for the national team. They didn't have him or Jamal Murray, and they didn't qualify for the Olympics. So uh, he will have been rested for a long time, and in you would think prime position to, to just play the way he was before the thunder had to shelve him last season. Do you buy the pre-draft chatter uh, that Sam Presti was shopping Shea uh, around the league that he was so bought into the tank uh, and was worried about Shea messing that up. Obviously he was trying to get, I think the reports were that he was trying to get Cade Cunningham uh, out out of that deal. Uh, who had for the Pistons, who had the number one pick in the draft. Do you buy it all that that Shea was in any shape or form uh, on the trade block before the the trade the, the NBA draft? I honestly don't know how to characterize it perfectly. I mean, just knowing Sam and having covered him and watched him for a long, long time, I don't think he would make anyone necessarily untouchable. Was he shopping? SGA. I don't know if shopping is the right word. I mean, the, the hard part to gauge for me is, I mean, the Thunder's interest in Cade Cunningham was something that was talked about for a long, long time, but just how real was it? Was it just, he's an in-state guy and we'd love to get him or were they as determined? To, I just, I, I haven't really been able to, to do the finite math on that one to kind of see where see where I really think. But in the general sense, would Sam be willing to trade him in the quote right deal? I, I think Sam would be willing to trade just about anybody if the the magical right deal materialized. Let's talk about the Houston Rockets for a minute. You have them 26th. Uh, I have them 27th. And this team was another team that was confusing because when John Wall, Eric Gordon, Christian Wood played, this was not a, a terrible team. They weren't a great team, but they weren't a terrible team. Uh, when those three didn't play, they were the worst team in the NBA. And now you bring in uh, Jalen Green, a Sengun, Josh Christopher, Usman Gruba, four first-round picks, and Jalen Green being an absolute stud. You had Kevin Porter Jr. really come on in the second half of the season. You, you do bring back 
Christian Wood. Uh, Eric Gordon's still on this roster. John Wall's on this roster, uh, though the reports that came out uh, from Shams, uh, I believe, on Tuesday were that he was not going to actually suit up and play for the Rockets, that they're going to try to explore a trade. But even if they don't make a trade, uh, he's not going to be playing this year. So that's one guy to not worry about. It's it's kind of hard to place the Rockets because they're they're clearly in this rebuilding mode, but they have some veteran players that could actually sort of help them. And a guy, Kevin Porter Jr., who looks like he could take another big leap. And Jalen Green's really good. If you want to talk about a, a rookie that could end up averaging 20 points a game in in their first season in the league, it's Jalen Green. Yeah, and look, I'll, I'll be completely transparent here. Like my putting them 26 was, I wasn't even at the bottom. I wasn't even really trying to figure out where they're going to land in the standings. I, I just, I put Houston there because I wanted to put them at the top of that small group of five teams that, you know, that those five teams, I think from you know, 26 to 30, we know those are the five teams that just absolutely positively will not make the playoffs. But I wanted to put Houston at the top of that group just because of how much brighter their outlook is than it was just a few short months ago, because they were basically forced into the hardened trade and they basically lived that whole season fretting the nightmare lottery scenario of losing their top pick and having to convey that to Oklahoma city as part of the Westbrook trade. They were able, you know, lottery fortune smiled upon them. It did not smile upon Oklahoma city and Houston was able to keep that pick. You get Jalen green. And now, as you mentioned, they've got all these young guys. John Lucas is there as a development specialist. I just think John's going to mesh great with all of these young players you know, Steven Silas is a, a coach, I think, who he will embrace the opportunity to work with these young guys and give them a lot of freedom offensively. So I just think the vibe in Houston is so much better. You know, they're going to have a rough year. They're going to be a bottom five team. But the vibe is so – they're so much better off than I thought they were going to be at this point because, look, they they could have – they could have traded Harden to Philly. They didn't want Ben Simmons. And right now they look like they made the right decision by not making the Simmons deal. And I was one of those guys all last year saying they should have taken Simmons. They should have taken the real franchise player. We're not even sure anymore if Ben Simmons is a franchise player. So the Rockets have a lot of reason to feel good about that. But the overall deal they did with Brooklyn, did they get enough for James Harden? I, I still don't think so. I think you would still struggle to find many people around the league who do think they got enough for James Harden. So given the cloud that was over this team throughout the season, where they are now with these young guys, I think they have to feel pretty good about things. And, and that's why I had them as high as I could realistically put them. Yeah, I'm actually pretty bullish on the Rockets. Certainly not this season, but I think the way they're rebuilding is going. I feel I feel pretty good about the direction that's going. And again, you can quibble about whether they got enough for Harden or whatever. But overall, I, I'm... I'm confident in how this team is rebuilding and some of these other teams that are rebuilding. I'm much less confident uh, in what their core I mean, is. I mean, they ha- they've, the amassed, going forward. they've amassed so much young talent just in the short term with just all these first round picks they got this year and, and having uh, Kevin Porter jr. And, and, and Kenyon Martin jr. They're having those guys there. Um, just they've got, so, yeah. they've got yeah, another one. They've got so much young talent that now if those Nets picks don't pan out, the way they hoped. And if the Nets stay good and those continue to be lower first round picks, they might be okay because they've got so much young talent there already. Yeah. And they, they certainly got a guy in Jalen Green who has the potential and, you know, the key word here is potential to be a franchise player. He he has that that level of talent. And, and that's obviously what you always go for in this rebuild, right? Can I land a franchise level talent and and they got that guy in year one and and some teams you know struggle to get that and you think about philly and 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 you know tanking and it, it took them a while to find that guy let's go through your power rankings 21 through 30 you got washington wizards at 21 sacramento kings at 22 new orleans pelicans at 23 the spurs at 24 timberwolves at 25 rockets at 26 pistons at 27 Cavs at 28 magic 29 thunder at 30 you and I both have the Wizards in the same place, which I think may surprise some people. Uh, if, you know, Washington makes the playoffs last year. What is going on with the Wizards this year? I mean, this was a really hard team for me to get my arms around. 
you know, they trade Russell Westbrook, who was the big reason I think that they were able to push for that playoff push at the end. Uh, they bring back Spencer Dinwiddie. They get Contavious Caldwell Pope, Kyle Kuzma, Montrez Harrell, Bradley Bills entering into a potential final contract year. I just don't know what to make of this Wizards team and what they're what they're going to be this year. And if they're as bad as you and I are kind of thinking they might be, does this lead to inevitably the Bradley Beal trade somewhere at the trade deadline? Well, here's here's the thing. I basically had the Wizards at the top of my bottom 10 as a reward for what was a very good offseason for them. I mean, the Beal question still looms. Beal becomes eligible for a contract extension in early October. And until the Wizards can get him to resign, there's going to be discomfort in the air in the nation's capital and unease because obviously Beal's future, This so much of where this team is going is tied to whatever Bradley Beal decides. Is he going to stay for the long term or is he ultimately going to force them to trade him? But putting them 21 for me was really mostly just a reward for as electric as Westbrook was in the second half of the season. And you can go back and, and read the stories I wrote in the New York Times. I was I, I was really into the triple-double chase and the drive to get the Wizards in the playoffs after everything they endured COVID-wise in the first half of the season. But, you know, they the Wizards have created so much more financial flexibility for themselves to trade John Wall and Westbrook in successive seasons. And now you'll get that burdensome contract off their payroll, bring in some young, good, good young players. They got Dinwiddie at a very good contract. Uh, you know, I, I think their long-term future, they're in a much better place than they were. Again, so much of it still hinges on Beal, but that's why I had them 21. It was really a reward for getting themselves in a good place cap-wise, probably faster than a lot of people anticipated. I don't think around the league people would have been very confident in Washington's chances of trading Westbrook so fast after trading for him. I think they did the right thing. Uh, in trading Russell Westbrook, I, I thought it was a big move and you can reward them for that this summer. I don't think it makes them a better basketball team this right. year, uh, but I think they did the right thing. Uh, I, I'm, I've been on the record as saying that I think they actually need to trade Beal and, and do a major rebuild. I thought the Hawks are the perfect partner uh, for them, just given the sheer number and depth that the Hawks have, that they probably could construct a Beal deal that would be appetizing to the Wizards without trading anyone in their starting five. Uh, which is which is pretty amazing uh, to do. Just the, the Hawks are ridiculously deep uh, with young players, young players that aren't going to get on get get in get in a roster uh, for anybody, which is really problematic as well. I mean, they're not not sorry, not getting on the roster, they're not going to get a lot of playing time, right? Uh, just given the depth of this of this Hawks team. Here's my twenty one through thirty: Washington Wizards twenty one, Raptors twenty two, Timberwolves twenty three, Kings twenty fourth, Spurs twenty fifth. Cavs 26th, Rockets 27th, Pistons 28th, Thunder 29th, Magic 30th. And, and to echo Mark's point, Cavs, Rockets, Pistons, Thunder, Magic are clearly the rebuilding teams here that I don't think we feel like really have any chance at the playoffs. And so I want to end the conversation with a team, the San Antonio Spurs, because every year we the, the Spurs are so well coached and have such a deep organization that even when we think the Spurs aren't necessarily going to be good, they're better than we think they are. But the cupboard's pretty bare in San Antonio this year. The, their veterans are gone. Uh, Patty Mills is gone. DeMar DeRozan's gone. LaMarcus Aldridge left um, in the middle of the year. This is a very young basketball team right now. Is it possible... One, I think it's very plausible that the Spurs are going to have their highest draft position uh, since Tim Duncan in 1997. That's a pretty amazing, uh, amazing accomplishment that they're probably going to be drafting with the highest draft position since Tim Duncan in 1997. And as you pointed out, Pop is 26 wins away from the league's all-time record. Can this Spurs team get 26 wins uh, this season? Yes, I think it's yes. a question mark. No, and I think Vegas agrees with you, but I I certainly don't. For the for the the first thing you said, Pop will coach these guys up, and he'll he'll get them to thirty five. If 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 they only have twenty six, twenty seven win talent, he'll get them to thirty five wins. I still believe in Greg Popovich as a coach that much, and he he took a lot of heat for, uh, you know, what he did and didn't do with, with the Olympic team. But getting 
young, unheralded guys to come together and function as a collective more impressively than they look as individuals on paper. I always bank on, you know, bank on the Spurs to do that. So he will get his 26 wins. I mean, the Spurs, as you know, they would love to get in the Ben Simmons sweepstakes. They just, I don't think they have enough to, you know, somebody would have to really fall in love with some of their young guards to, for any kind of multi-team Simmons scenario to materialize for San Antonio. But yeah, I mean, beyond Pop's chase for the record, uh, this is going to be a very weird year in San Antonio. And, you know, Pop turned 73 in January. You know, I know he likes coaching young players better than outsiders thought. He does enjoy it, even after all those years where it was 50-win teams and championship contention. He he does love the teaching aspect aspect of it more probably than people think. But um, how much longer is he going to do this? You know, coaching a team for draft position is not, not his thing. You know, that's that's – Certainly not. It's never been his thing, and I, I I can't imagine it's something that that he's uh, he he finds super palatable when he's in his seventies. It's a brutal Western Conference. Uh, I I think twenty six wins looks about right for me. Uh, it with this team, just given the competition that they're going to play in night in night out uh, in the Western Conference right now. I am a believer in this franchise and pop, but he's he's going to have his biggest task ahead of him in a really really long time. Uh, being able to coach up this, uh, I, I and I like their young players. I think they're 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 solid young players, but there's not a real franchise guy on this team either. The way that there's going to be on some of these other bad teams, Detroit or you know Houston or what have you, that maybe helps a little bit. He's Mark Stein. MarkStein.substack.com. Go over there, subscribe to his newsletter. Give us your email. Uh, his Tuesday newsletter every Tuesday um, is free. Uh, Mark's been doing that really, I mean, you, you kind of invented the newsletter in a certain way, even before it was a newsletter and, and the way that you uh, have always sort of had that big, you know, weekly column um, that you've put together. Uh, Mark's stuff's just incredible. I've loved working with him all these years, loved having you on the podcast, really fun for us to be guessing about the 2021-2022 uh, season. People seem to get quite angry at times with, with this sort of prognostication and guessing. So uh, feel free to go into the comments right now and and bash uh, Mark Stein and I. Make sure you subscribe uh, to the podcast or wherever you listen to podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, what have you. And also make sure you check out my uh, newsletter at Substack at nbabigboard.com where we'll be covering the 2022 NBA draft as well as the 2021-2020 rookies and sophomores as well. You've been listening to Chad Ford's NBA Big Board on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Aloha. Aloha.